is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Hey, it's Jacqueline with SystemsForSelfCare.com, where I teach you to consistently take daily action so you can feel happier, healthier, and more confident. Today on the podcast, I'm really excited. I have a physical therapist. Alyssa, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Good, good. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, as I've always said, running is just like a hobby for me. Running is something, it's a stress relief. It's a big part of my identity. But when it comes to the science and the mechanics, I hand it off to the experts. So I'm really excited to have you here. And we'll talk a little bit more about arthritis and knee and pain and all that good stuff. But before we get to that, I just, I like to hear more about like your story and how you even like got to being a physical therapist. So were you like an athlete growing up? Did you have an injury? Like what, what brought you there? What was life like? So I actually didn't go through physical therapy and a lot of people are like, I went through physical therapy and I decided I want to be one. Um, but I played sports growing up. We played my twin sister and I played volleyball. We played soccer. We played it all. And then we started getting into group exercise and fitness. And so we were always kind of a part of helping people get fitter. And then I wanted to kind of work in the medical field, but I didn't necessarily want to go to med school or anything. And so this was the next best option. And I've always loved exercise. I've always exercised myself too, because I think practicing what you preach is super important. Um, So then I just kind of catapulted into physical therapy. And then I lived in the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest and then we moved out to Utah last year. Um, And that's when I started my own business of keep the adventure alive, because there are so many people that are doing amazing things at all ages, whether they're kids or whether they're one of the ski resorts, you get a free pass if you're skiing at 80. And so, I mean, there are so many people out here and there's so much adventure And a lot of times when people have arthritis, they don't think that they can adventure. And so I lead all my own adventures where hiking, biking, skiing, all of it. And so I've switched my business into helping people also keep their own adventure alive because Utah is amazing. Yeah. I'm in the Midwest and I'm jealous of the nature (laughs) that you have there. I grew up there. Yes. I know all about the Midwest, but yes, it's crazy to like wake up and you just see mountains all the time. Yeah. We, so I'm in Chicago and we went on a road trip to like Southern Illinois and I was showing on my Instagram. I was like, this is what the rest of Illinois looks like. Once you leave Chicago, it's like cornfields and (laughs) that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so what does movement look like for you? Like on a daily basis, what are the things that you always make sure you do for yourself? Yeah. So I am a big proponent of variety. Um, and we'll probably get into this later, but I do CrossFit primarily. Um, then I also do some of my own programming on the side. I do a lot of strength based things. We do hike and road bike on the weekends, but for the most part, we usually go to a CrossFit class at least five or six days a week. Um, So yeah, I've learned a lot about body awareness and things like CrossFit is very good. It feeds the competitive sense from sports and things that you don't necessarily get in daily life anymore. And so that kind of helps with that too. Um, But yeah, typically just an hour class and I'm always leading like workout videos and things on my YouTube channel. And so that, that counts too. So yes, I'm always very active. Yeah. And I think that's really cool too, though. Like I, for me, it took a while to get to this point of like, sometimes you need like the structured class, but then also like weekends to go and go on adventures like that. That's kind of like where we're at right now in our life in our mid late thirties of like, okay, we need to do stuff a walk in the morning, a class in the evening, and then bike rides or a race on the weekend, but like something that's fun and an adventure and gets us out of our house. Yeah. And I used to be, before we moved here, I was very strict about like always going to the gym, but now since we're out here, it's like, especially in the winter, like I would so much rather be out skiing than be at the gym. And even, I mean, now it's like a million degrees, so we haven't been hiking very much, but like, I would much rather be out on a hike than be at the gym on a Saturday, um, sort of thing. And so it's kind of shifted now that there are so many adventures so close to us that I've kind of not been so strict about being at the gym on the weekends. Like I'd much rather be outside. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it's just a natural way. And it like, you get something from it that you don't get from the gym. Yeah. Like being it's in just nature. like very different. Yeah. 
-hmm. So it's, it's definitely kind of shifted that a little bit. Um, but it's been fun. We've got to see some awesome things and, um, but like I said, I'm a proponent of variety. So the more variety you can get, the better. Yeah. So when it comes to the work that you do with clients, you work specifically with arthritis. Is that like what you do in your business? Yeah. So I almost exclusively see people that either have a diagnosis of osteoarthritis because rheumatoid arthritis is different, but, um, osteoarthritis is the common, like, Oh, I have arthritis. It's typically that. Um, yeah. And so I primarily help people with knee and hip arthritis, um, along with some like degenerative disc disease, but just like chronic pain too. You don't necessarily have to have a diagnosis. Just I've been having this pain for a long period of time and I want to get back to some adventure and that's who I've been helping. Mm -hmm. So people will come to you and they're missing out on like a part of life because of their pain. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of people who like, I have a backpacker right now who is having knee pain and couldn't hike and thought that she wouldn't be able to ever hike again. And I do have a lot of runners who start developing some knee pain, some hip pain and think their running is over because they go see a doctor, they get an x-ray and it's like never run again. And I've had lots of people get back to running, um, most recreational, but I do have a couple, I have one person right now who's trying to get back to triathlons. And so most of the people it's like recreational adventure, just trying to, I just want to be able to run a couple miles. I just want to be able to hike a couple miles and it can really open up a lot of doors for people, just giving them hope that those things are possible. Because a lot of times when we see someone about our pain, we're just kind of shut down and those doors are closed. Which is, so that was my experience last year of 2020, which sucked because it was like of all of the times to be told to not run. I was like, that's the only, like, I can't go anywhere. It would be great if I could go run. But what, one thing that you said, like you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, let's do an x-ray or the doctor, like, I don't know if it's, it's like hearing this story and thinking like, oh my gosh, like, this is really bad. Like, this is bad. And for me, it kind of like, um, increased the pain. Cause I thought like, this is really serious. Yeah. Like you really, what, what did you have up. going on? I had knee and hip pain. Okay. And, um, the, it was, it was there, but like, I kind of just kept, oh, whatever, you know? And then it got to a point Hope that I was like, goes away. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, this is like, it was hurting to sleep. It was hurting. My hip was hurting to sleep. And so when I went to the doctor, we, or I did physical therapy for a while and things never got better. Went to the doctor, um, got a cortisone shot, did x-rays, was given, um, an N, no, no, NMES machine to activate my glute. Okay. All Mm -hmm. of this stuff, things never got better, but it was just like, and then the doctor's like, maybe you should get an MRI and go see an orthopedic surgeon. And it was just like, yeah, that's the common path. And it's like surgery, like. Yeah. So did you find relief? Did you find something that worked? Um, I'm not at a hundred percent, but it okay. is so much better. I actually, I don't know if you, do you know Brody Sharp? Um, yes, I actually did a podcast with him. Yeah. So I actually, Brody was on my podcast. It was so random. He had messaged me and we were talking about podcasts the same day that I was looking to go to another medical, like someone else to get yeah. advice. And I, um, talked with Brody and he gave me a return to running plan. And so I actually, um, by just run walking a little bit and we kind of went over my pain story. How did this pain start and kind of realized like, actually maybe I am okay. And there, it wasn't acute pain. It was chronic pain that built up in the story in my head about the pain actually increased the pain. Yeah. So I went from not running at all. The doctor telling me to stop running to Mm -hmm. running a little bit to now, like I ran eight and a half miles last or Monday. Like that's awesome. Yeah. It can be, I mean, it can be very hard to hear that. Like, Oh, you should go see a surgeon. And like, I never really thought this pain was that bad. And then like, and the same thing with arthritis and then add, you know, 20, 30 years. And it's like, well, I just can never run again. I can never do any of this stuff. What about my future? If I'm dealing with this now and all of these things. And then they're told they have arthritis and doesn't have a cure and it can just be so scary, but it is possible to get back to running and it is possible to get back to higher impact type things if your joints are ready for them. Mm-hmm. So what are things that people can start doing? Like if you're like, ah, I'm in pain right now. Yeah. And so 
When it comes to pain, especially with arthritis and things like that, there's a couple of things to look for um, strength and balance. And essentially you want to find the asymmetries between those. So I have people doing like supported single leg squats on a chair and you notice like, oh, wow, it's much harder to stand up on the right side than it is the left. Um, where you basically sit down on a chair and you extend one leg and try to stand up. Um, balance is another one. Like if you just try to stand on one foot or you try to stand on one foot and move a little bit, if it's so much harder to stand on one side than the other, then that can be an asymmetry. And essentially we find all these gaps. Where are your gaps, whether it's hip strength, knee strength, and then figure out how we can close those gaps. Cause once we close those gaps, then you're much more symmetrical and you can do these activities. This goes for like walking, running, hiking, all of that. You essentially want to find the asymmetries and then close the gap. And that's kind of how we move through kind of a program and figure out what to prioritize. But a lot of times with knee arthritis and hip arthritis, there are some general movement type things. And I have lots of information on my YouTube channel about that. But again, it is going to vary a little bit person to person, but just finding movements that your joints like is number one. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Like finding movement that your joints like, because a lot of people think I'm in pain. I should rest because I don't want to aggravate it more. Yes. And honestly, rest in, in very, um, certain circumstances, rest is okay. But for the most part, especially dealing with chronic pain, rest is one of the worst things for you just because your muscles are getting weaker, your pain is increasing, your irritation is increasing because of inactivity, and you get down this vicious cycle. And so one of the things I always try, especially when people are dealing with pain for a while, it's like, well, I can't exercise because every time I move, it hurts. Like there's nothing I can do that doesn't, isn't going to flare up my pain. When in reality, I mean, there are zillions of exercises out there. And there are some that will not flare up your pain. And so essentially like the first couple of sessions that I work with someone or in the um, online program I have, we go through movements that typically do not flare up pain. A lot of times it's simple things, moving and stepping sideways. I have most people with arthritis walking backwards with support at first, but they're amazed at how different it feels from walking forwards because we live our lives in a forward direction. So we try to get ourselves out of that forward direction with exercise, moving sideways, moving backwards, and then doing some strength stuff that help to kind of um, exaggerate that. But it's pulling you out of this forward motion and trying to add variety. And that's usually when we kind of unlock a lot of doors. And I have so many people who have been dealing with pain for years and years and they finally can move without pain by just adding some of these simple things. It's not like we're doing all these crazy exercises. It's just figuring out what your joints want, what your body wants, and then going from there. And it can be amazing how good people feel. I feel like the word exercise, like you'll think like, oh, I have to go to a CrossFit class. Like yeah. Alyssa goes to CrossFit class. So that's what exercise is. I can't go to CrossFit because that's going to cause so much pain. Oh man, I guess I can't go do anything. But then being able to like, yeah. okay, well, I can walk backwards. Like it kind of changes that narrative in your head. And you're like, oh, and it like builds up that confidence. Like, okay, like I, w- like I am moving my body. Like maybe it is safe for me to move my body. Yeah. And honestly, most of the people that I work with work out at home. Um, rarely do I ever have people actually go to the gym unless they want to, but most of the time it's, so I have two separate clients who were never on consistent exercise programs, just didn't really grow up exercising. And one had knee pain, one had back spasms and back pain. And now both of them are working out every single day. And it's funny. The woman was like, I am so amazed that I don't actually dread doing this because I know it's only going to take 15 minutes and I know I don't have to go to the gym for it. And so it's all about making these bite sides. Like I usually have people work out for 15 minutes and, you know, do a certain amount of something. Then you can add in like walking and whatever else you like to do. But just that simple 15 minutes can be amazing. It's all what you like and what you want to do. I'm not going to give you a 60 minute workout if you don't even want to work out for 15. And so it's all about finding and kind of meeting in the middle, but you can make amazing, you can see amazing results just from 
10 or 15 minutes. It's, it's crazy. And then people are exercising every day, which is awesome because you feel better because you're doing the right movements and it just starts this positive reinforcement. That was a game changer for me when I literally did 15 minutes. Like I would set a timer for 15 minutes and it built that up. Like, okay, cool. Like you can, like you can do this and you're more consistent, but like when you typically, I don't know what your experience or where you worked, but I feel like every time I've gone to physical therapist, they hand you like a stack of papers with all like these exercises. And you're like, oh my gosh, like how long is this going to take? And then you just don't do it. You just don't do the exercises. Yeah. And so the game changer for me was like, Jacqueline, just do it for 15 minutes. Whatever you get done in 15 minutes is what you get done. Well, and that's the thing too, is when you have like 15 exercises that you need to do, it's like, well, where do I start? This is going to take forever. But for me, the biggest thing that I've noticed to help with some of that adherence and just being able to do is the exercise routines are only about three to four movements and we progress those every time. And so it's you master those movements and then we move on. It's not a long list of things. I also give videos of how to actually do them. So it's not on the piece of paper. And there's definitely ways that I found that you can stay more motivated and just if you have a couple of things to focus on and just if you can see the exercise, know what you're actually doing instead of second guessing, like, I don't know from this piece of paper, how do I even do this? And because, I mean, you get a piece of paper that collects dust on the table because you're not really sure what to even do with it. And so typically it's you master these couple of movements and then we move on. So you repeat that five to eight times and then we move on to the next set of things. Yeah. So yeah, like adherence, I mean, adherence is like a big thing. Like if you're not actually doing the thing, then it's not, nothing's going to get better. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, that's where the hardest part is, especially if you have chronic pain or arthritis, because you are not going to see results if you are not consistent. And so you need to find a way in order to be consistent. And that can unlock so many doors because just working out for two weeks and you start to feel better. I mean, it's going to come back. You have to be consistent at least through eight weeks. But I have people that always say, you know, do I need to be doing these for the rest of my life? And it's like, well, yes. I mean, exercise is great for you. It's a great habit to kind of build. And so then I tell people, you can pick out your favorite ones. You can have options like you have things that you can be doing and that you know that are good for your joints because this is a long-term thing, but it's making those habits so simple that you can very easily put them into your routine 10 minutes a day and call it good. I've also created um, some follow along videos because that's the biggest thing too, is people are sitting there second guessing, you know, am I doing this right? How many should I do? How should I feel? And so in my new program, I created 10 follow along videos and they start at the beginning and then we progress to the end. And so you can just follow along. You don't even have to think about it. Just follow along with what I'm doing. And that has been extremely beneficial to, for a lot of people to start their fitness journey. Definitely. So I didn't grow up as an athlete and they're exactly what you said. Like, am I doing this right? I don't even know what I'm doing. And when I look at like the times that like, I finally started like becoming consistent, it was like, when there were DVD workouts and it was like, I just have to follow what they're doing. And I know exactly. that once the DVD is done, then I'm done. But like, it was a great way to start like being consistent with, so there's no second guessing. And a lot of times too, like you work harder, like if you're following along with someone or you might do things that you wouldn't normally do or, you know, things like that. Cause I even noticed that like in CrossFit classes, I mean, they tell you what to do. They tell you exactly what to do. Everybody's doing the same thing. So it can be so helpful because it just takes the thinking right out of it. And the thing, once the second you have to start thinking about something or think about what to do, or then it just kind of, it creates a barrier that just makes it so much harder to stick with. Yeah. Yeah. We go to, my husband, I go to across the gym now too. And it's like, oh, nice. we, if we see like, oh, there's fr- actually tonight there's front squats on our workout and I, <laughs> yeah. I hate front squats. I hate my, <laughs> anyways, um, I wouldn't do that at home or like burpees and I'm not doing exactly. that at home, but I will do exactly. it because there's peer pressure and there's a community of people doing it. 
Absolutely. And that's, I mean, a huge part of it, or like you wouldn't work out as hard at home because I've tried working out at home or working out at the gym and it, it's like, I mean, you don't push yourself as hard. You don't necessarily like do as many as you would have, you know, so there's a lot of factors. Um, and that's a big thing for me too, is just being that competitive kind of nature and having a community and just pushing through to the end and, so yeah, it's definitely a good thing, especially if you have, you're hesitant about exercise or you're hesitant about movement, or maybe you've tried it and it didn't work. Um, having kind of that follow along type thing can really, really be helpful. Yeah. So we talked about like, so people who are in pain, the doing 10 or 15 minutes, but being consistent with it. Um, and then progressing. Are there any other things that like you've noticed help people um, relieve their pain? Um, it's, it's definitely realizing that pain is just not um, from physical exercise, that there are so many other things that go into pain. I know that you kind of mentioned um, some of the like psychological type things, like believing, you know, your pain is horrible because you see an x-ray or an MRI, or you're told you need surgery, but also like other things. So inflammation obviously plays a big part in injuries and arthritis and chronic disease. And there's so much more that goes into it besides like, I have arthritis, so I just need to exercise. It's no, we also need to look at like your diet. Are you eating a lot of inflammatory foods? If you are, okay, we take a couple of those out and we add some anti-inflammatory foods in. And I don't know that you focus a lot on diet, but um, that's a big one. Sleep is a big one. Stress is a big one. And so if somebody is listening right now and they've tried, you know, every exercise under the in the book of exercises and they really just cannot seem to find relief, it might not be the exercise. It might be one of these other factors. But a lot of times when you go see a doctor about especially arthritis, it's all right, lose weight and exercise and out the door they go. Well, I mean, that's not going to get us anywhere, nor is that going to be successful at all because you're like, I don't know where to start. And so it's definitely kind of pinpointing like which one of those areas that you really need to focus on. I usually have people do three and then focus on those and exercise likely is one, but it might not be one starting out. And so it's definitely figuring out where you need to, how you can control that inflammation because pain is multifactorial. There's lots of things that goes into it just besides exercise. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the thing about and it's not every doctor, but I do have a lot of clients who have gone to the doctor and they kind of develop a fear about going to the doctor because they know that yeah. the doctor is going to say it's probably going to be bad news. <laughs> it's going to be bad news. And it's always going to be about their weight. And then they start the shame story and then they stop going to the doctor because I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear how I'm a fat person who can't do anything right. Like they, right. And so it, it, it cuts that relationship off and now they're, they're not doing things for themselves. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Can you talk, so you said you ha, you'd have like someone do like three things. So like exercise, what, like, a, a, like when you talk about like the food, like what are things that you would have them switch up, um, without getting onto like an extreme diet? Yeah. So a lot of it is just like, say for example, um, so processed sugar is a big and a big inflammatory food. If you like eat, ice cream after dinner a couple nights a week, or, you know, you have some sort of snack or something that has a lot of processed sugar in it pretty regularly. It's okay. Maybe let's cut that out and replace it with something else. It's choosing like maybe the top three or two or three inflammatory foods that you eat. Maybe you eat a lot of gluten or there's lots of things that you can drive up your inflammation with. And some of it you might not even know, but adding or replacing maybe the pasta that you typically eat as a side with vegetables, like two or three days a week. It's not necessarily you need to like completely cut it out, but like maybe replace it with something like two to three times a week to start and then keep going. So essentially, I usually the extent of my nutrition is you have a list of anti-inflammatory foods. I want you to figure out how you can fit two or three of these into your week or start becoming making some substitutions because if you're on you know a strict diet or something it can be hard to follow especially while you're trying to figure out all this exercise piece and you're trying to figure out all this other stuff it's just take this anti-inflammatory list pick a couple of things and just start eating it more i mean it's just 
I mean, it can be that simple, especially if you're eating a lot of inflammatory foods when you're not really, you're not really um, aware that you are. Mm -hmm. So it can be very simple. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very simple. That's it's, but some people, Oh, that's too simple. And it's like, yeah, but you're not doing it. So just give it a shot. See what happens if you do that. Exactly. I know a lot of people who say like, I cut out sugar, like processed sugar, fruit is okay. Fruit is not the enemy. Um, and they are like, I feel like 80% better just from doing that. And that's where it can be the, you know, the hit or miss of if exercise is not working, maybe we need to turn and look at something else. But obviously exercise is a big part of it because we have to move for life. But a couple of these other things can be bringing you down and decreasing those positive effects of exercise. Definitely. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about strength too. So we've mentioned that and sometimes, um, I've had clients, women, maybe older women who like are very fearful of weights and they hear strength and they think about weights and they're like, ah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be bulky. I don't want to, I don't want that. Um, but it doesn't have to be that like, again, you don't have to go to a CrossFit class. It's okay. Exactly. And I almost wish it was that easy to get bulky like that because I, know. I mean, <laughs> you can work out forever and not even, you know, get any of those benefits. Um, but yes, I mean, that is a huge part. Honestly, I don't hear much kickback from that. Now I see people who are primarily over 50 and primarily getting back to exercise, dealing with some sort of um, arthritis. And so I do a ton with strength, starting out with body weight things, and then just moving up to like an eight pound kettlebell or a 10 pound weight, just getting some external load because The biggest thing for me is a lot of times, especially older women, or especially when we get over 50, maybe it stems from that, this fear of becoming, you know, bulky and super muscular. Um, But they're using, you know, one, two, three pound weights as strength training. But in reality, you might not be necessarily building the strength that you think you are. And so in these workout videos that I've filmed um, and all across my YouTube channel, I mean, there are things that you can safely do with more weight. And that's the biggest thing, I think, is that people are afraid of injuring themselves. Like if you're going to pick up, you know, a 10, 20 pound weight, like I'm probably going to hurt myself doing something. Mm. But I've had I've had the guy that had back pain. He was doing kettlebell swings with a 35 pound kettlebell. And he could barely even lift it before we started. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, I think it's the confidence that like, yes, you can actually pick up those little bit heavier weights because with those, I mean, you do a Google search, older person working out and it's all these pink one pound dumbbells. Those are not going to necessarily build the strength that you think they are. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to increase that weight, but in a safe manner and know that you are feeling confident while doing it. Because if you're exercising and you can do 20 or 30 reps, no big deal with like a one pound weight, you are not building strength. It's more of an endurance and it can help, but it's not going to get rid of like those bat wings. And it's Mm -hmm. not going to do all that unless you build more lean muscle mass, Mm -hmm. which will not show. I mean, like I said, I wish it was easy to bulk up, but it's not going to show just from, you know, lifting 10, 20 pound weights even. But it is so important to actually build the strength because a lot of people think they're doing strength training, but really they're not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about like, if you are a mom or a grandma and you pick up your baby or your grandchild, like they're probably 10, 15, 30, 50 pounds. Like, so you are lifting weights, but it, it, it is intimidating to look at a kettlebell that can be intimidating if you've never held one before or a barbell or a weight that isn't like pink and cute. Like that can be really intimidating. Exactly. And it's just, I think the biggest thing is just building confidence to be able to do it because like I had a 70 year old woman the other day had knee pain, finally got over the hump of she wasn't having pain all the time. And we started using an eight pound kettlebell. And I mean, since I was there kind of walking her through it, she had no hesitation. She picked it up. How much weight is this? And started like squatting and all kinds of stuff. Um, And so I really think it's that building that confidence piece, like following someone that knows what they're doing and can help kind of guide you through, especially if you're dealing with pain or arthritis or anything like that, because there are myths out there that, oh, you shouldn't lift weights or, oh, you shouldn't, you know, do certain movements when 
I mean, you can lift weights, you should lift weights, but making sure your joints are ready for it by doing the right movements. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause right. If you, you're going to need to lift your groceries and your purse and your, you need this strength and you're doing it exactly. anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's super functional to be able to do that, but if you're having knee pain and you just go pick up a 10 pound weight and try to squat with it, it's probably not going to feel good, mm-hmm. but you have to kind of work okay. up to using those weights by of course, mastering body weight movements first. Mm-hmm. So can you share like, so just kind of the, the transformation that someone makes, they come, they're maybe not moving their body or lifting weights or using, doing daily exercise. And they're in a lot of pain. Like what, like what changes for them after they become more consistent? Yeah. So essentially if you've been dealing with pain for a while, we create a list or a program of movements that actually make you feel good. And you start to gain that confidence, like this seven-year-old woman I was talking about. She couldn't even go up and down the stairs without Mm -hmm. pain. She couldn't squat without pain. Now she's, and she used to limp because of that knee pain. Now she's walking normally. She can't even believe it that there's no limp and she can squat. She can get up and down from the floor without any pain. It's very, very movement and confidence driven. Once you can show your body that you can move in these ways, that you can kind of move in ways that you're not going to have significant pain, then that increases the amount of things you're willing to try, or that increases the amount of consistency that you're going to have, because you know, it's going to feel good. If you're doing those exercises Mm. on the paper and you just feel worse after you're not going to do them. But if you feel good afterwards, it's like, well, I'm going to keep doing this. And so, like I said, I've had people get back to running. They could barely walk without knee pain and now they're running. And, or people that are limping with hip pain and hip arthritis now that are walking normally and can walk longer than 15 minutes. So it's all based on like what goal you want to achieve. Some people is just simply walking around the neighborhood and we can absolutely achieve that. Some people it's getting back to a triathlon. And so it's kind of figuring out what that adventure is that you want to get to. And we start where you are. We start moving in ways that aren't flaring up your pain. And then we slowly work our way towards that end goal. When you were saying that about the confidence piece, I I remembered last summer. So like the, there's a constant when you're in pain, there's a constant narrative, a constant story going in your, in your head about the pain and like, Oh, don't do that. Cause it might hurt. And so you're constantly aware that something might hurt. So then it prevents you from moving. And then the less you're moving, <laughs> the more afraid you are of everything. But I it's remember a vicious cycle, vicious. I remember watching TV. I was watching broad city and I was on the couch and one of the girls just like put clothes on and went for a walk in New York city. And I started to feel nervous for her. Like Your knee is going to hurt. What are you doing? Right. And I was like, that's really messed up. Like she, yeah. like, and I started projecting my pain onto this television show. Like that's how much this narrative like was like taking over my life. Yeah. And I mean, that's the biggest part is just finding ways that you can be confident with movement that, and in the um, online course, I talk about this because it's so important. Like almost everyone I meet, like one woman I had was literally scared to do anything, not even walk, not even go up and down the stairs because she would feel a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of knee pain and correlate that with I'm damaging my knee. I'm making things worse. When in reality, that discomfort is okay. You are not creating more damage. It's just your joint getting used to that movement. And so there are ways that we kind of differentiate, like your joint is telling you something. Pain tells you something. If it's discomfort, maybe your joint's saying, oh, you know what, I'm I'm not too sure about this, but we're just going to keep the pain levels low and see if they change. Or if you're doing something that is very painful, that's your joint saying, whoa, we need to modify this. We need to change something about this because I do not like this right now. And the same thing goes with exercise too. And if you think about it that way, I think it really helps to kind of figure out like what pain is too much and what pain is okay and normal and that you should continue to go through. And that is one of the um, best things that you can do if you have chronic pain is really kind of understand what your pain is trying to tell you. Because then when you go try and do exercise and things, you kind of know when you should stop, when you should modify or when you should keep going. 
And because pain is definitely a big barrier when it comes to exercise and movement and just daily life. And so if you can kind of think about it that way, that can be really helpful moving forward. And then ideally you decrease the pain frequency and severity as you move through the program. Yeah. I think that having grown up as not an athlete and someone that didn't have like a good connection or relationship with my body, like there, there's just this disconnect and then knowing like exactly what you said, when you feel a little bit of discomfort, you're like, Oh, look, you just messed up something else. Exactly. You're making it worse. And so you don't do anything. And like you said, that vicious cycle, but it's like, I think that that was a, a big thing, especially in working with Brody of like, Hey, this feels a little bit uncomfortable, but he pointed out to me, he was like, if you ran these races and you can do squats, like I I had a vision that my knee was just going to crack in half. Like I was so sure that that was just going to happen. And it turns out not, (laughs) it turns out not. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's, it's so crazy, especially if you deal with pain for a long time, it's, you know, every, every, Mm -hmm. you know, anything that you feel that is not normal or is not happening like to the other side, it's like, I'm making things worse and it can really, really be limiting. And so that is kind of another thing about the confidence is like, now this woman who was afraid to do anything now she's like I had a little bit of pain but I don't need to think about it anymore I just kind of go on without my um for the rest of my day because that's the thing about like whether it's chronic pain or like say arthritis there's not necessarily a cure for arthritis so it's not necessarily ever going to go completely away but it's how can you live with it and thrive with it? How can you go about your day normally? How can you do the things that you want to do without this like excruciating pain? And that leaves you laid up on the couch for a few hours um, or a few days even. So it's not that you necessarily are going to be completely pain-free, although there are periods where people are. But there might be flare ups or you might wake up and you have all of a sudden you have all this pain for no reason. And you have to kind of develop a relationship with pain to kind of understand like, okay, what's my joint telling me? Like maybe we slept wrong. Maybe we ate, you know, some foods that we shouldn't have eaten or like, what is your pain telling you? And then how can you kind of move forward? And it's, if you don't freak out at every twinge of pain, then you're going to live a much you're going to have a much higher quality of life than someone who, you know, is fearful of creating more damage every step they take. Yeah. Catastrophizing. I think I said that. Yeah. Yeah. Really good at that. Like really good at that. (laughs) Just like going down this rabbit hole of all the negative things. And, you know, it's, it, it can be a very real thing, but it's just kind of, when you kind of create a better relationship with it, I think it can be very, very helpful. Yeah. Living with it. Yeah. Um, I think it's helpful to, like you said, to know that it might, it's not, it's not fun to think that it might not ever go away, but to know that it being less or it's less frequent, it's less intense. The duration is shorter. I use those three questions, um, in helping people with like solving their problems too. Um, knowing that those have lessened. So then if there is a flare up, it's not like, like everything doesn't crash down. It's just like, oh, okay. Um, it hasn't been a while since this has happened. What's going on? You kind of be like a scientist and like be more observant and see like what what are what happened here. Yeah. And I mean, that's super important that because I have so many people who all of a sudden they wake up with a flare up or they wake up, they have more pain and they don't even know why. And it's like, I feel like I'm back at square one. Yeah. In reality, you're not. You've made so much progress. And is it less frequent? Is it less severe? Can you continue on with your day knowing, you know, that this is going on? And because it can be really scary, especially, you know, if you wake up and all of a sudden you have all this pain and it can be like, oh, did I do something wrong? Should I stop exercising? Should I stop, you know, doing, going up and down the stairs so much or, you know, things like that. And you always look back, okay, what changed? Did you change? Did you make a change in your diet? Did you eat something you shouldn't have? Have you been more stressed? Have you been, 
you know, did you do like a lot of exercise because overactivity can trigger that too. And so it's basically saying, okay, what changed and how do I take this information and move forward? Sometimes there's no explanation and it's just, okay, what can I do? Some gentle movement because I know it's not going to flare it up more or I know it's going to be better for my joint. If I just move a little bit, then that can help you kind of use some of these tools to get through that flare up. It's not only equipping you to reduce your pain, but to deal with pain when you do have it. Because if you have a plan, it can be so much less scary than if you're kind of just going in blind and trying all these different things to try to reduce your pain and nothing works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about stress and how that might affect your pain or flare ups? Yeah. So, I mean, stress increases some hormones in your body and that can increase inflammation. Also, when you're stressed, you typically aren't sleeping very well. You typically aren't aren't eating very well. Um, And so those things can kind of play a part too for inflammation. So they all kind of contribute to inflammation. And what happens when you get inflammation in your joints is then those inflammatory cells start impacting the cartilage. And that's when you can start to get some long-term uh, consequences with arthritis is you start to kind of have a lot of inflammation in your body, but it can be very, very, not only just for arthritis, but it can be also impactful on the rest of your body. Um, so stress, I mean, is not good for us, but it can definitely, once those, um, inflammatory cells are in the joint and they're much more plentiful than they usually are, then it's going to irritate your bones. It's going to irritate your joints. It's going to irritate the cartilage and just kind of send you down this cascade of potentially a pain flare up or pain that sticks around at higher levels. Mm -hmm. What are things that you do like on a daily basis to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're handling your stress levels and just like, you know, you're living like walking the walk. Yeah. Exercise is a big part of it. I work out at this day and we go to the same class every day, no matter where I'm at in my day. Sometimes I go to the gym pissed off. Sometimes I go to the gym and I'm just not feeling well, or I'm very stressed about something. And then when I leave, it's, you know, like nothing ever happens sometimes. And so that is a big part of it for me is just kind of figuring out, like burning off some of that stress and, um, high intensity exercise does that for me. Um, one of the other things that can be really helpful is like music, um, that can be almost like meditative. Um, I'm not big into like meditation or yoga, but I know that that works well for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, and it's, you know, just taking breaks, you know, going on walks and things can be really helpful throughout the day, especially if you have like a stressful project or something like that. Um, so it's just kind of physical activity is a big part of it for me. Um, yeah. and, but there are other options, but that is kind of what I primarily use. Yeah. So, um, I'm hoping, can you share a little bit more of the science of how, like if you're, so you said like you had a stressful day, you're pissed off, whatever, and then you go to the gym and you do mm-hmm. a high intensity workout. What, how does that help you relieve that stress? Because a lot of people, I'm so stressed out. I don't want to go and do more stuff. So how does physical activity actually relieve it? So, I mean, there's all the chemistry with endorphins and things that make you feel more positive and you kind of, I kind of feel, I guess, more accomplished. Like when I um, am done working out, I think the endorphins is a big part of it though. And also when you're doing like higher intensity type things, you're not necessarily thinking about it. Whereas if you're doing like a lower intensity thing, you probably could still be, you know, racking your brain about all kinds of different things. But when you're high intensity and, you know, starting to get hypoxic and using all of your energy towards the movements you're doing, it kind of takes away from that thought process of um, the, whatever you're thinking of or whatever is stressing you out. And so I think that that's the biggest thing for me, um, just kind of focusing on something else, kind of working out some of that stress, getting some of those endorphins and then being able to just kind of come back at the fresh start. And, and I think that's the thing about consistency. Cause it's not like I get stressed and I just immediately go work out. It's I work out at four 30 every single day. And I know that that's coming. And even if I'm stressed out a couple hours before, I know that at four 30, I'm going to the gym and then I just feel better afterwards. But a lot of times it's like, I don't want to go. Like, I don't feel like doing this. I have a lot going on, but then you kind of think about how much better it makes you feel. And then 
it can be very motivating. Having someone that, you know, goes with you too can be very motivating. Um, but yeah, I think primarily it's endorphin driven and just feeling a little bit more accomplished, kind of stepping away, I think helps. Too. Yeah. Getting out of your head and like getting into your yeah. body. Yeah. And I don't know if you feel that same way about like doing CrossFit or anything, going to the gym just in general or exercising. I mean, I think it can be very, very powerful, but you have to make sure that one exercise actually makes you feel good. Cause if it's creating more pain, then it's not going to be helpful at all. Um, and doing it at a little bit, you know, more higher intensity, but some, for some people it could be like walking just helps relieve it or, you know, things like that, but not saying you have to go again, do a CrossFit class to not be stressed, but, um, just any sort of movement, I mean, is going to, is going to help. Yeah. I find that we spend a lot of time, a lot of our day in our head and a lot of our day sitting in front of a screen. And like those two combined can be really toxic. You, you know, you spend years, decades doing that. Um, it's just not a happy life. Yeah. Like comparing yourself to other people and like, oh, she, you know, doesn't have pain. I'm so jealous that she can, you know, move without, like you were saying on the like TV show and things like, it it, beca- it can become like a very negative thing, like jealousy and frustration and seeing people out doing the things that you want to be doing. And it can, it can be discouraging too. Cause it's like, well, I can't move how I used to. So I'm yep. not really going to move in general. And it's a yes. And then sitting at this um, computer at the TV is obviously, you know, posture and all those types of things. Inactivity is just not good for us in general. Um, so it, yeah, there's kind of lots of things working against us when we are just sitting on social media or sitting, looking at a TV or things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I, I think what you said too, like when you start comparing yourself to someone else or start comparing yourself to where you were like a year ago, like, oh, a year ago, yeah. I was able to do this. What's wrong with you? Why can't you do this? My husband had surgery on his heel. And so getting back into movement, you know, he wants to go at 120% what he was able to do pre-surgery. And it's like, well, if you do that, you're going to get hurt and you're not going to be able to do this at all. So exactly, <laughs> easing into it again is the way that you need to go about things. It can be very, very humbling. And I mean, it's, it's a very real thing to be sitting there wishing you could move like how you used to even just a couple of months ago. And, but it's the fact of you kind of just have to meet yourself where you yeah. are. And, and that's obviously much easier said than done but you will be so much happier and you will be able to see your progress too. Because a lot of times if you're like, well, I used to be able to run six miles and now I can barely run one, mm-hmm. but you ran one and it's like, it can hide these. Um, I always call them small wins because with, when you're dealing with a lot of pain or arthritis or anything like that, everything is small and everything takes yep. time as far as moving forward. But Oof. those small wins are what moves you forward. Like, Oh, you can run one mile. Like you can run a mile and a half now. And it's very small, but it can be tremendous on when you're trying to move upward and progress to wherever you want to be. Yeah. Last year I was supposed to run two marathons and then in March, um, <clears throat> my doctor told me to take a week rest and then everything got canceled. So it, whatever, it was fine. But it was like, I went from an 18 mile run to not running at all. Then it, the increasing the, the fear and the pain. So that was like all of 2020. And then the end of 2020, like starting up again with like, I think Brody had me like walk one minute, run a minute. Like, I don't know. I don't remember what it was, but it was yeah. like, it was so small But I also like, I didn't really, it was kind of like, oh, that sucks. Like I just, I was able to run 18 miles, you know, a couple months ago, like that sucks. But it was like, this is where you're at, Jacqueline. Like this is where you're at. Like you can't go run 18 miles. You just can't. Exactly. And that can be really hard to accept for a lot of people. And um, it's just accepting where you are so that you know that you can get back there. Because like I said, I mean, if you don't see the progress, if you don't see yourself moving closer to that goal, then you're just going to get discouraged. And then you're just going to not trust the process. And then you're just going to never be able to do it again. And so it's, it takes a while for some people to kind of accept that, you know, I can't necessarily do that right now, but it's not ruling it out for the future. And so it's a, it's a definitely a hard pill to swallow sometimes but it can be extremely helpful, especially if you're dealing with chronic pain or arthritis. 
Yeah. Acceptance is one of those hard things because you think that if I accept this, that things aren't going to change, but really like you have to accept it so that things can change. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, like you said, it can be so hard, but it can be so rewarding if you do. And then you realize how much progress you're actually making versus being really hard on yourself saying, well, I still can't run five miles or I still can't do what I wanted to do. So it can, and then you end up overdoing it by trying it and it's sends you down this, this vicious cycle again. And so we want to stay out of that vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I call it the extreme exercise triangle where, yeah, <laughs> you're super strict and then it's, but it, yeah, it goes over and over and it's not fun. Um, but this yeah. is great. Was there anything that you wanted to share that maybe I didn't ask you about something that you'd like people to know about, um, arth- arthritis or osteoarthritis or knee pain or anything? I mean, if you're dealing with chronic knee pain or you're dealing with chronic joint pain lasting longer than about three months, trying to brush it off, trying to ignore it, um, definitely find someone who can help you because even just getting started on the right path can set your future up and you can do so many more things and enjoy your life so much more than trying to ignore it, having it get worse, having to get surgery and all those kind of things. And when you have arthritis, there are options for pain relief. Surgery is not the only one. Um, It probably will be offered to you, but it's not the only option, especially if you want to stay active, you want to use natural remedies, all this kind of thing. It can be possible. An adventure can be possible. Just because you have arthritis doesn't mean you can't hike, bike, ski, all kinds of different things. So don't dream small just because you have arthritis. You just have to be willing to work to get there. And so if you have any questions or need some hope or are feeling down or hopeless about your arthritis, um, just search Dr. Alyssa Kewen or Arthritis Adventure on YouTube. And I have so many videos of different things showing you hope, showing you stories. And that's one of the biggest things that I see from people is that gaining hope can be so powerful just by realizing something is possible, especially with arthritis can be incredible. Yeah. It starts with that mindset piece and what you're telling yourself about these things. Yeah. Because if you don't have hope and you try to exercise, it's not going to work Yeah, (laughs) and you're not going to find relief. So you have to really truly believe that it can do something. Cool. I'll put the links to your Instagram and your Facebook group in the show notes. And then you have a guide for people too. Yes. Yes. So it's called the ultimate arthritis guide. And it's just five tips. If you have arthritis and are looking to start finding pain relief, just the first five tips that you need to know. And so that's totally free. And then you also get our weekly newsletter too, but that will be down in the show notes as well. So the ultimate arthritis guide is where you should start. If you want to say, okay, I have an adventure and I want to keep it alive. That's where you need to start. I love that. Amazing. (laughs) Cool. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. 